I'm Ryan, the other guy's Jordan, and this is Two Angles on Angling. episode number 22 of two angles on angling as always it's jordan with what's up it's ryan it's been an interesting week for me and you <laughs> as well uh, apparently uh, we as we talked about a little bit before we started recording so i'll just go through kind of my segment yeah. real quick because uh, Do i don't have a lot to say but We're not going to cover everything because one of those topics is going to be one of the main topics of the podcast today. So stay tuned for that. But so the plan, I head off Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The plan was to fish all four of those days. Thursday uh, was a pretty successful day. Went out on the upper Niagara with my buddy Dylan and we caught some fish. Nothing crazy, but we had we had bent rods uh, most of the time. So it was a good, good time. And then. Uh, that day we ended up, we launched out of uh, Griffin, and we drove the entirety of the island. Nice. And it's first time I've done that in like a, a <clears throat> few years at least, and it was like everywhere I'm like, holy cow, that looks like a good area, that looks like a good area, and I'm looking at the map, so I'm excited to get back out and uh, try out some other places, but I won't be getting out for a while due to, on Friday, uh, my dad and I, were we decided to go out on Erie. Uh, test out some of the new net heads that I'm making up and we were going out to the spot and we took a wave over the back and shut the motor off which has happened a few times out there before when it gets a little bit bigger for our boat and took a long time to get it back up and running so we fished a little bit got behind the walls uh, got it going got to save almost all the way to the harbor and low oil light came on, put the boat in safety mode. You can only idle. So idle back in, get it on the trailer. We're like, okay, well, let's go put some oil in it, go launch it in the river and see if it was just truly an oil issue the whole time. Uh, and that it was just running low and we didn't know and that like we weren't able to start it and all that blah, blah, blah. So put the oil in, launched it, and... Turned over perfect, it was running, but then as soon as you put it in gear, it was just like chugging, so we're like shit, and then it started billowing smoke, so got it back on the trailer, took it out, and then yesterday we took it down to Lime Lake to get serviced. So, that's pretty much, pretty much sums up my fishing excursions this, <laughs> this last week. Uh, the rest of the time has been spent making lures because... <laughs> I have the free time and I wasn't fishing, so doing that up, getting the catalog together, working on the website some more, <clears throat> just plugging away. So I'm going to be out fishing-wise for a while. I might try and get out in the kayak this upcoming week at some point uh, just just to do it. But Monday to Tuesday, I'm going down to Connecticut with Andy, uh, Andy Full to pick, I believe. We're still waiting to hear back for sure, but uh, to pick up his new boat. So that'll be cool. Get a quick, tri- quick trip to Connecticut and back. Uh, and 
and I'm going to be out of town next weekend. So I'm going to be out of the fishing loop for, for a while, probably. Mm. But it is what it is. Yeah, well, we'll stay connected and, and keep the conversation flowing either way, man. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So, so how was your, uh, your week? You had it was good. You know, I, I fished uh, every day except for today. And honestly, like, I was looking at the forecast last night, talking to my client about it, and it's supposed to be thunderstorms and all kinds of rain. And uh, a little bit yeah. of that happened, like, long before we woke up. Yeah. And otherwise, it's been an awesome day. So I'm kind of pissed that uh, I rescheduled. But honestly, like, the guy that uh, I was supposed to be taking out, him and his son, like, he fishes with me a lot a few times per year. So we just rescheduled, and it's all good. And to be honest, dude, I'm just happy to have the day off from, you know, because I did the kids' fishing camp Monday through Friday, and then I worked a double on Saturday. So it was a lot, it was a lot of days. So I was happy to just take it off. I guess, like, because I was able to do all that is a good sign, yeah. recovery-wise, yeah, you know, my sure. stability's there, and, you know, that my head's not, like, it's still a little cloudy, but it's it's getting better, it's getting better, um, but the kids' camp was great, you know, when, you know, I, I have a whole write-up in my uh, blog this week, if uh, you want to read about it, that I don't want to necessarily get too deep on it here, but... Uh, we had a good time, and the, the main value is, a, from a fishing report perspective, is that we fished every day, you know, and we had four boats involved in the camp, so 12 kids, 12 lines in the water, and uh, a lot of live bait fishing, and we all had similar experiences. Mm -hmm. um, it, you know, we just didn't have much wind this past week, it was hard to move around. If you got in areas where there was current, you could catch some fish, not a lot of big ones, um, but and then it, but if you kind of slowly putted around the lake and just kind of coasted at a half a mile an hour anytime that there was some breeze, you would cr and crossed enough ground like you were gonna get a, a couple of big ones, but uh, like other than that, like the numbers and the numbers and size were were pretty much down. We got like every day we got a few tanks, like every boat nice. got got some tanks. Nice. But it's like, it, it was a lot of work for them, you know. Uh, but they're there. They happen. And that, my, my theory is, it's just because there was little to no wind. And the system just starts to get stagnant. You know, if it, like five days go by and it's just like the stationary front sitting here. And everything just starts to get lazy. You know, like the wind, the trees aren't moving, like yeah. nothing's moving. Um, there's just a weird stillness and yeah, it's tough. You could, you could definitely catch fish during it, but you just gotta, you gotta capitalize on windows when there's breezes and otherwise just try to work current and, and try to make stuff happen. Um, and then the other thing too, that we had ex we experienced is, uh, walleyes. Like, um, you could go out and get, you could still go out and get a solid brace of walleyes in two hours if you really commit to it. Um, you know, you're not, it, it's tough to limit. But, like, one of the days during the camp, Paul limited. Um, he didn't have to go all the way to the cat. Um, most of the guys that are walleye fishing right now are launching from either the cat or uh, Dunkirk or Barcelona, something like that. But you could go out of Buffalo and just in a couple hours catch a decent number of fish, you know, enough for a family fish fry. Or you could just opt to put in work and, and you're not going to hammer walleyes, but you'll get them. Mm -hmm. you know so you'll get enough 
if you really put in some time and effort, you know, best thing is like first thing in the morning and the last like hour of daylight, you can certainly make that happen. And that's what we saw like all week. And then we fished uh, Lake Ontario Thursday and Friday. And uh, that was slow. I mean, it was a dud for me both times. We had some boat issues. Some, uh, so that would go to your, yeah. our, our discussion. But we ended up having to take three of the kids because one of the boats was out of commission for the day. So I loaded six kids on my boat, which is kind of crazy. Wow. Um, you could, we couldn't go that fast or go too far offshore. So that was kind of a dud. But even on Friday, when we did go offshore... Like, I sucked. I, I mean, I dropped four or five fish and didn't boat a single one, you know. So, it, it just it was my first time doing it, though. Like, going way out to, like, the, the 30 line, like, way the, like closer to Canada than mm. out in Lake Ontario than we were to the United States. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it was interesting. <clears throat> but we didn't catch anything. We dropped a few nice ones, though. It was, it was good, so... And then yesterday I worked a double again on Lake Erie and, you know, same as what we saw before. You know, if you uh, got fish, a handful of big ones, and then that was it. Yeah. yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, next week is, uh, it looks like a very similar pattern. Mm-hmm. Although there's going to be a couple days, hopefully towards the end of the week, that if if that forecast holds that there's going to be some wind and it's that'll be awesome if we can get one to threes going um that'll be awesome like because then i'll <clears throat> then i'll really know like i could really have a sense of what's going on but if we just get some one to threes just to stir things up man i'm telling you that day when that those waves happen will be an awesome day it will be an awesome day i, I just know it it just needs something to shuffle the, the, the deck right now. And it, you know, that's, that's my take on it. So, yeah. And we, we might get that next week. So, Oh, you'll have um, to tell me all about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, that's my, my general take for the next few weeks. This is going to be the pattern is like if we can get some wind, I think the catch rates will get good. But, you know, like the water temperatures in line with historical norms right now, it's not like it's super hot. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just the fall's getting close, mm-hmm. you know, and things are going to start cooling off here. You could, like, I mean, sunset's 8.30 now, yeah. so days are definitely getting shorter and the nights are getting cooler, so that water temperature is going to start dropping. Um, so everything between now and, like, you know, late October, it's just going to keep getting better and better and better. So you're, you, you have your... Your engine issues or boat issues occurred at a time that's, you know, uh, it's it's the best time for it to happen to you. Either that or like in February, you know. So just get get your shit taken care of, and and you'll be back in the game when things are starting to get really good. But you know, like I was, what I wrote about in my blog this week is like my perspective of really good, um, is the fall and the spring bite just because mm-hmm. I know what that is right yeah. I mean I just know the size and the numbers but some people like the people that book trips in the summertime a lot of them just like the reliability of the weather right mm-hmm. like they don't want to yeah. be out there in big waves they don't want to get wet they don't want to be cold and 
you know, so they want to be comfortable and try to enjoy themselves. And the issue with that is, is that, you know, when it's like that, the fishing is not great. Yeah. It's good. It's just not great. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I like what, what's in my head is, is greatness of the spring and the fall is all about, you know, catching huge numbers of big fish and you're dressed for it. You're dressed for whatever mother nature throws mm-hmm. at you. Um, and it just, it's just like a state of resiliency that you got to have to fish during those periods because it's just so awesome, you know? Um, but some people think that like, if, if you're experiencing hardship in the middle, like that's not what they want to be doing with their spare time or vacation, you know? And I get that too. Yeah. It's just like, the look, summertime lull. like, you know, the, the funny thing with the crazy thing is just to, just to cap this off is, uh. Part of the fishing camp, my buddy Brian, um, who I went to uh, Lake Texoma with and I've been to Arkansas with, okay. uh, our families. So his girlfriend and her two kids came up here. The son was in the camp, and then the daughter just hung out with, with Charlotte the whole time. Um, but the daughter, we were talking about what our next trip's going to be. It's probably Mississippi. And uh, the daughter was like, well, is it going to be cold there? <clears throat> because every trip that we've done so far, like the Arkansas trip, it, the temperatures were in the teens and 20s. That was in that crazy snowstorm in, in, oh, in 2020 yeah. or 2021 hit that region. Um, and then last year we went to Lake Taxoma and uh, Beaver's Bend, uh, Oklahoma, and some crazy cold front came in while we were there and we the kids froze their asses off when they fished. So their whole thing about a fishing trip is is freezing. Like yeah. th- there's a little bit of like, yeah. oh man, this is gonna kind of suck, but it's <laughs> it's still awesome because we yeah. can catch fish. Like they haven't had a a comfortable fishing experience, which is interesting. You know, um, it's just something to think. It's yeah. something that I think about that. You know, it's tough to there. It's tough to have your cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. In the summertime, you know, like there are some days that'll be awesome, especially if we got waves. But uh, more times than not, it's when the weather's really nice like that and hot and consistent, the fishing's not, you know. So. But like you said, it's also like obviously your guides are in a different position, but like, it, you know, either like for the tournament guys, a lot of them like switch over to largemouth for a bit and have heavily focus on it. It's like a way better fish to be catching when it's this hot yeah. out and it's, you know, like it's, they thrive in it more so. You know, go throw a frog around or something, flip a jig, and uh, so that's that was kind of like what I wanted to focus on. But then I was like, oh man, I gotta fish Erie. Like I, I, I want to be out there too. So, uh, that's why we gave that a go. But and it's also it's like a good time if you got like we like we're, we're gonna get into with like the boat. If you have stuff that you want to get fixed up on it, I mean now's a good time because it's sure. like it's hot so. You know, you might not want to be out sweating your ass off all day for a, for a few fish potentially, and like, if if you want to take off and like, all right, now's the time to tighten all the the nuts and bolts up on everything, uh, you know, fix the hatches, whatever issues you might be having. So, good segue leading into our main conversation is like, <laughs> boat issues, boat repairs, and we've had my dad and I have had our boat for. I think six years now, five or six years, 2017 Triton, uh, 179 TRX. 
done very well for us overall. Um, but before that, we just we didn't own like a fishing boat, so like you'll obviously have a little more to ex- expand on over a course of time. Right. Uh, but so kind of the whole catalyst for this conversation was surprisingly this was before the boat broke down. So I've been thinking about this a bit lately. Is this one guy I follow on Instagram, uh, and I had him on my podcast uh, two years ago. Uh, he goes by Smallmouth Freaks. I cannot remember his name right now, but regardless, he made a post about how the quality in the boating industry has gone down so much over the last several years. And, cause, and obviously, especially, there's been a lot of crap the last two years so things have been even slower for the most part trying to get parts and all of that and all these companies getting bought out and whatnot so uh and he made a post about it and like I was kind of reading the comments which I don't often do and it's like just people like having all these similar issues across the board on things and I don't know. I haven't been in the industry too long, so, like, I don't want to say that I have, like, a a strict opinion on it or anything, but, you know, with all the issues that we've had over the last five years with owning the boat, some of them self-induced, I will say, like, you know, but shit happens, and it's, you know, like, we're already, it's already kind of a pricey sport to be in, Yeah. and then when you start adding all that in, uh, and all sorts of issues like that, it just exacerbates it even more so it's yeah what well, just well, kind of I'll, give me some feedback yeah dude i mean i'll i'll say this about about boats right so i started this this business in 2016 and i've had this is my fourth boat okay okay my first boat it um i got there's an Alumacraft competitor, 175. And I bought that boat. It was kind of, a, it wasn't a mistake, but the idea that I had at that point in time was that I was going to be a fly fit, like the only fly fishing guide to fish the river. Mm-hmm. And that platform was ideal for that because it had a huge casting platform, both in the front and the back of the boat. Nothing to get line caught on or whatever. Is that the boat in that video? Um that you guys did a, Probably. a few years back, like yeah. where you did all the whole seasons, that video? It might, yeah, it might have okay. been. It might have been that boat. Um, probably was. Okay. If not, it was the Ranger. But um, anyway, yeah, yeah. It, uh, it could not, like, I started getting calls to do conventional trips, and I couldn't take that thing out in the lake, man. Like, it, it, like anything bigger than two footers, like that boat, just you just get abused. Yeah. You know, so... Sold that boat, got a Ranger. That Ranger, um, I, I had all kinds of mechanical issues with the, the platform itself, not the engine. So the engine, or the, the platform, like one day, it, it was their first aluminum model that they made in years. It was a VS-1882. I took that thing out in Lake Ontario in the winter and hit some ice with it not hard just that this is what the river is you know like you hit ice with stuff and there's uh you hit ice and there are these grommets for the front live well uh where the water leaks out of the the live well those grommets like protruded from the hole right at the water line 
which is a bad design. But uh, you know, if you if you build a boat to, yeah. for around here, that's a bad design. Yeah. Because you're gonna impact ice, right? Yep. So anyway, it impact. I impacted ice. It knocked that thing in. I started taking in water. I was like sinking, out on Lake Ontario. I just fucking. And February, I just got the boat up on plane. It took off as fast as I could to, to empty the back of with the boat. With No, it was with uh, uh-huh. my buddy Nate, thankfully. But then it did happen again. So I took it in to get it fixed. They replaced it with the same shitty one. It happened again, this time with clients. Um, and then, uh, but the leak was slower and we were able to, to eke out a day. It didn't start getting bad to the end of the day anyway. So we, I, I still got the session in. Um, and then... The hole, it was a center weld hole, the hole split. I was there, I was taking in water for like a long time. I would, like my builds would just keep turning on. Couldn't figure it out. Kept taking it back to Cabela's. They kept telling me that the, we patched this, we patched that. And uh, finally they identified that the hole was cracked. And there's a lifetime warranty on the hole. But from my perspective, it's like, okay, look, I've already had two, two major problems with yeah. this thing. And now the hole's broke. The hole's cracked. And you're telling me you're going to weld it instead of just giving me a new boat? Oh, really? That's like, what that's, they were going to Yeah, do? that's what they did. That's what they ended up doing. They welded the hole. So which, which totally, you know, damaged the resale value on yeah. it. So I dumped that boat. I'm like, screw this, man. And I had some other issues with it that I'm just like, I'm tired of it. Then I got a lung. Uh, Pro V, nineteen seventy five, and uh, I had a bunch of issues with the mercury. You know, all warranty, everything was fixed, but I lost days on the water with it. And then I started noticing. I, mean, I had that boat for two years, but I just started noticing little things like carpet peeling, like carpet and vinyl peeling, like after like a year and some change of ownership, like like buttons on the dash were getting like weirdly faded and peeling and stuff like the seats were breaking and it's like okay dude like seats are a major problem yeah right so i I ended up like fixing everything up in that boat and selling it and uh now i have the warrior now the warrior is awesome on every front like there's nothing except except for the seats all the passenger seats those things break um you know, it, it, because, you know, if the next warrior that I get is not going to have remove, removable seats. It's, they're, it, they're going to be all firm pedestals. Okay. Um, just because, like, removable seats, man, um, they're not built for somebody to sit in when you're going out and hitting, you know, one to threes, three to fives. Rocking around. You know, like, it just, it just gets damaged, especially if you got somebody that's 200 plus pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's not, it's going to get damaged, you know, and they're not, they're not cheap. Like to, to replace the pedestal and the, and the base is like, um, I think I replaced two pedestals and two bases and it was like 570 bucks. Um, that's just seats, you know, not, not the, the, the actual thing that you sit on the seat itself. Two of them are, I'm having issues with too. You know, and this should all be done through warranty, right? Like, it, but the problem is, is the warranty process is super bureaucratic. And oftentimes it takes forever for these companies to honor their warranty. So, like, you know, I'm just left sitting without, yeah. without stuff. 
So instead, I just, you know, now I buy all of like my the, the key things that are going to break, I just buy. And I have a small parts bin and every time, but I still file a warranty claim for it and get that extra one. So now I can build like gain and maintain a, a, a parts bin so I'm not down hard. Yeah. You don't have to wait for the supply chain to react to it. And I, I'm sure I have to invest money up front, but you know, it's, uh, it keeps me going and yeah, it's it, prevents, a for you. And it pre- yeah. prevents me from losing, losing days, you know, losing trips. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to, to round out what you're saying, like, dude, that's like, I, the reason why I, I, I went on about that, like how many different boat changes I made is because like I, once something starts going wrong and I lose confidence in my platform, I want to get rid of it immediately. Like I, I, I'm not the type of person that wants to sit there and try to fix something, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, like to me, I buy something that I, I want it to be like a fucking tank. Like, they're nothing... Well, no, that's a bad analogy because tanks are, like, super maintenance burdens. Like, I, but... Okay. But, 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 like, I want it to be super solid where there's next yeah. to no points of failure yeah. on it. Yeah. You know, like, that. that's what I want out of a craft is something that's super solid with next to zero points of failure. Something that can, like, blast through... Way, and the Warrior is pretty damn close to that except for the seats. Um... You know, so but but you could totally tailor it to make it that like mm-hmm. built built yeah. that way, because as soon as my confidence is waned, dude, it, it never leaves my head. And the different like just like a pro bass tour guy, um, that boat is my office. Mm-hmm. I, I like I feel like emotional about the boat. You know, like like it like cowboys would with a horse. Yeah, you spend a lot of time in it. Yeah, like yeah, I, I, a there's, there's a relationship with it when you drive around, just the sound and the feel of how it cuts through the water, you can just tell if there's something wrong or if it's running right, right? So like there's that type of connection. And if, if that thing just starts going bad and it isn't itself anymore, deuces, yeah. you know, like... Like, I don't, I don't want to deal with it. Like, I, because I, I'm not mechanically inclined. I'm not going to become mechanically inclined. I'm not interested in that. I want it by, and I'm willing to pay more money to be super comfortable and not have to worry about shit like that. Um, and if that means that I have to do, you know, an extra couple trips a year to accommodate that yeah. mindset, okay, whatever. Okay, I'll do those couple of trips because I'm going to enjoy the hell out yeah. of them. Um, in the office that I want to be in, you know, and, and so my take is like, look, dude, if you want to be, if, if anybody wants to be serious about fishing, like simplicity is, is key and you've got to freaking to the best of your ability, form your, conform your lifestyle to fishing. Like that's just the way you live. You know, and if you have a job that doesn't like not like mine, like if like in your situation, Mm -hmm. then all of your spare time should be prioritized towards fishing and how to how to fish more. And uh, if you got to come close to nearly breaking your bank to buy a a super high quality craft that will fucking keep you out there and not have to worry about that. Because nobody like think about it in, in your spare time when you're trying to enjoy your hobby. Do you really want to be worried about your craft? Like, that's, like, 
It's it's just yeah. it's just no, as, that's very fair. It's just as bad as what I'm saying. Like for me, the anxiety is there if I think that that craft could fail on me at any time. Like if some if if I start seeing the degradation. But on the flip side of it, it's like if you don't fish all that often, your time is precious, and then you go yeah. out to fish, and now you can't. Yeah. Because the craft isn't up to the to the snuff. That's what I'm saying. Like unless you have a lot of money, and you just you're crazy liquid and you're just like yeah i'm just gonna buy this boat you know like if you're super independently wealthy then but if if you're not and you want fishing to be part of your life my advice would be you need to go hard on it you know like and if that means working extra shifts so you can buy something better okay or figuring out an alternate source of income so you can buy something better like that's just something to think about that's that's the route that i would take um so Few th- yeah, yeah, I agree with everything you're saying, and I just I have a few things that I was thinking about. It's funny that uh, how you phrased it earlier is like it's the last thing you want to be worried about. I said to my dad as soon as we got back to the house, I was like, you know, this morning, I had no doubts. I said, if anything, I thought the truck might shit the bed on us or something, and then lo and behold, I was like, I had no idea. I I would have never thought that the boat was going to start having issues like that, but it is what it is. Um but I kind of want to go over all the issues that I've been having, or we've had yeah. at least. Uh, one of the major ones is compartment issues. So our center tackle storage lid, every single screw stripped out of it pretty much. And yeah, partly user error. Like I probably should have paid attention better to it and like known that it was doing it and fixed it on the when it was. Oh, well, so we had just do new holes, put it in, and now those are starting to strip out. So it's like, all right, well, I'm not quite sure. Why are they sure. starting to strip out? Just because of the waves? Yeah, I guess so. It's 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 never closed good. It's not like a good, it's not a smooth lid. It's got the double hydraulic mm-hmm. closers on it, and I don't know if they're just not correctly spaced or something, but there's it's never like a smooth close. So I think that's part of it as well. Is it's always like rocking from opening and closing it because it never opened or closed properly. But uh, a lot of it, I will say as well, is from fishing Lake Erie. And no, we do not have the optimal boat to be out there doing it. Um, at the time when we got it, my mindset was 100% largemouth, Canisius, Honey Eye, Cayuga, like yeah. those places. So. We had no and fish in the upper river, and it's like, okay, well, we had no concerns um, until, like, I think it was two years into fishing with this boat, Andy Full took us out on Lake Erie, and I caught my first Lake Erie smallmouth, and I'm like, this is a, this is a place I need to learn. I want to learn. So then, ever since then, for, like, what, the last four years, I've been spending a lot of time out on Erie, and there's been a lot of rough days out there in that boat, yeah. and... I was going over this with my dad this morning, actually, on our walk, and I was like, you know, I can go over a handful of issues right now that we're having just because of Lake Erie. And I'm like, the pedestal for the back seat, we had to buy a new one because it was almost bent at like a 60-degree a, a yeah. angle from it rocking because it that one was always loose and it always was wobbling, and it's just one of those screw-in ones, so it's, it doesn't have like a good base. Uh so we had that, that happen. Okay, boom. Our graphs, because, you know, I didn't know any better when I was, when we got them, I was like, okay, let's do ram mounts. 
because I've heard so many good things about them, but not good mounts for rough water because they don't like lock in enough. So we'd had uh, a few times, like I, I was, I was shitting my pants that the graph was about to rip off and go in the water. Cause we hit a wave at one point that graph went from slightly tilted towards me to completely flat down over hmm. the side of the boat. I'm like, son of a bitch. So, like, for a while, I'd have to lock them down on the deck, but then they'd be bouncing on the deck every single wave you'd hit. And then... So, I got to find a way to remount those. And, like, especially going forward, I know that I'm going to be fishing Lake Erie, so I can't, you know, I can't have that. Like, you don't want to break off your $1,000 graph and have a drop in the water, you know? I mean, everything that you're describing, though, is... Is just reeks of you you using a suboptimal yeah. platform on water that's just fair enough. Like that, I was for boats, that stuff, man. yeah. Um, same with trolling motor stuff like that. But it's because we've had tr- parts on the trolling motor break off and stuff, and it's like, yeah, like I did not know that. But as for the the other half of the issues with the boat, yet again, yeah, like part of it's probably yes from running in rough water, but. You know, uh, no one at never had I had anyone really say anything to us over the years of being like, oh, you probably shouldn't be out there in that and this or whatever. And like, oh, like, you know, you just hear all the bass guys talking about, oh, we've been on 12 footers in tournaments and all this bullshit. Trust 12 me, footers, man. huh? Yeah. Uh, I've really heard fishing it. 12 I've footers. Heard, I've heard it, brother. I'm not, not messing with you. But um, where is I going with that? Oh, so the motor, the motor and everything. So yet again, user error. I hit something at some point. I think it was on Chautauqua. I don't remember. Um, But we ended up having having to get the whole lower unit replaced. But at the time, Evinrude had gotten bought out by Mercury, I believe is what happened. So it was on back order for a while. And we would have been, I think it was like three months without fishing. Because we wouldn't have boat. So we decided, okay, let's get an aftermarket one, put it on. Well, the gear ratio changed on it, and the prop that we got back on it was not the right prop, so we went back to our old prop. That one wasn't working. We switched back to the other one. It's It was over-revving, so you'd be, like, going 30 miles an hour, which is not even close to top speed for that boat, and you'd be at 7,000 RPM. Mm. So I didn't feel super comfortable driving it. You know, like, I didn't want anything to happen. And they said, oh, well, it's, it's going to shut off before you blow the motor. And I'm like, well, I don't want to even have that risk, you know. Right. Uh, so, messed around with that, put the old prop on. You couldn't get on pad worth a damn. It'd be, like, at times, especially if you had live wells full, five minutes almost to get on pad. So, yet again, like, if you're, for me, like, if you're fishing Erie or, like, the river or something, not a place that you want, that you want to be taking your sweet time to get on pad because sometimes that's not a good op like it's not an option right like you're gonna run into something what have you so uh so that happened we're, we're, we're starting to kind of figure it out but we've had this issue for several years now where it's happened on the river like with the big yachts and everything like you hit the wake just wrong on the side of the boat or something crashes over the back and the motor shuts off So, for a while, we are like, oh, maybe the batteries are getting splashed. And I'm like, well, that can't be it because 
wouldn't that happen every single time we and it's not every time like we got water back splashed over the back it was like right. when it was significant or a weird angle and stuff so then we're like maybe it's a short a wire short because it would shut all the graphs off it was just a, a weird series of events so i'm like okay well i guess yet again that could be the batteries but i don't, I don't know like yet again it, wrong platform for the water but i i'm you know, bass guys are out in rough stuff quite often, whether it's on Erie or the Finger Lakes, like Cayuga gets big, all of that. It's like, there's no way that there, this is a normalcy to happen. Yeah. I mean, and, I, don't know, I don't know what kind of boats they're running to, to go out in the, the big stuff. I don't pay a lot of attention to the guys. I mean, there's guys... They're the guy, like 20 foot, 20 foot Rangers, Nitros, Phoenix, like, just... Like my boat, just longer and bigger, like two twenty fives, two fifties. So. And, yeah, the, I mean, some of the guys that I've seen though, have different kind of bows though, like more yeah, they, more yeah. V shaped bows. It's almost like a combination of like a, a skiff and a bass boat. Yeah, and um, there are some of those, and those are pretty sweet, sweet loadouts. I mean, those look those look like they're, a, a decent compromise, but. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I, you know, my buddy Nate said it best. He, he's like, I just don't understand. He's like, I, I had the, he had this boat, this like piece of crap fishing ski with like a 1980s era Mercury on the back of it. And he rarely had a problem with this thing. And he let it sit in Ellicott Creek behind his house when he used to live over there. And he rarely had a problem. I mean, sometimes it had problems starting up, but otherwise it just it ran yeah. like a top all the time. There was no no problems. And then he ended up buying that Alumacraft from me, and he has a bunch of problems with it. And I'm like, well, you're not running it enough. You know, like you're just letting it sit outside, and mm-hmm. boats break when they're not when they're not being used. But I'm I'm using the hell out of my boat, and it's getting broken too. So like his point is like you know like. We don't have this many maintenance issues with cars, you know, like why are there, when you buy a brand new car, you could go five years without doing anything other than doing oil changes, you know, like there just really won't be anything, you know, maybe change the tires every once in a while, Mm -hmm. you know, depending on how often you drive, but that's not really maintenance. That's just, you know, that's like just changing worn out stuff. But with boats, it's like going in the opposite direction. It, it, like it's just it's getting worse and worse and worse. Like the quality just isn't there compared to a car, or compared to how it what they were when in the eighties. You know they're they're just built differently, more try you know like trying to crank them out, and uh, that's why the smaller like more specialized uh boat builders like companies like warrior companies mm-hmm. like vexus like there's all these neat little regionally specific boat builders um you know that uh build a craft specifically suited for a region you know um and th- those things are they're more artistic there's more thought put into it mm-hmm. the quality is there you know, um, and maintenance issues are a little bit less. So, but they're way more expensive, but they're made in America. They're made yeah. here for, for, you know, something that's more customized for a region. 
costs a lot more, but you're paying for better quality. Mm-hmm. You know? So, a few things. One, uh, I just remembered this as well. So, like, kind of back to the lids. So, our live well lids cracked. I don't know if, I, if you remember me telling you about that. So, like, for two years, you could barely put any weight on them. And we tried contacting Triton, and we couldn't get we couldn't get the lids. And then we finally looked into it, and it was going to be, like, I think $200 for a lid, per lid. And then we got referred to this guy... Ranger Mike, if you look him up on Facebook, he does aluminum lids. And he does them, funny enough, for the Rangers center tackle storage compartment, he does them all the time for those. So they apparently have a lot of issues with breaking on that, which is kind of kind of uh, funny with the conversation. But So we ended up having him make the live well lids, and guaranteed they are the most stable thing on the boat. Hmm. they're they're insane he has videos like he drives trucks over the lids without denting them and stuff and like bending them it's like no the whole boat doesn't have to be like that but that's a much more appealing route to me than having a plastic lid that's gonna break you know like but dude i'm telling you like there's a there are these boats called Hughes Crafts, and, and they're similar platforms, but you see them in the Pacific Northwest a lot. You also see them up in Georgian Bay a lot. Okay. And uh, they're an all-aluminum platform, no frills, just freaking solid. Like, you know, and people, like, run them right up onto shore. You know, like that's how they, they, they instead of pulling into a driveway, because the Ge- Georgian Bay is a bunch of these Canadian Shield Islands. Yeah. People have houses on these islands. Yeah. There's no roads to them. So there's, sometimes people just drive those Hughes crafts right up under, under the grass. Wow. Like they're, you know, their hulls are just built to bash off of rocks and stuff because that's there's awesome. there's uh, a lot of rocks up in the Canadian yeah. Shield region. And, you know, it's just, it's a dicey place to operate. So aluminum platform is much better for up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- these things are just freaking solid. Um, but they're, bit, you know, they're more for, uh, for trolling. They're not like necessarily a good river mm-hmm. fishing boat. But if I could have a second gra- cra- uh, craft and uh, dedicate that to doing like big water stuff out on, on Erie or uh, big water stuff out in Ontario or just kind of traveling around with that thing, I'd have one of those too. Because it's it's super, super solid. And we've, we've talked about this a bunch of times, man. Like um, you got to have the right craft for the area, like prioritize the craft to the area and the places that you're going to be fishing the most. You know, um, it, it, it's, I think it's that simple. So like speaking on that, and so originally when my dad and I were looking into getting the boat, we were going to go with like an aluminum DV style hull, um, for several reasons. And pretty much the first TV fishing show that I remember like heavily watching was Lindner's Outdoors or right. what is that? Those yeah, dudes are in Lunds. Yeah. And they're fishing the shallowest of shallow largemouth stuff where I fish. Like, I'm seeing them skip frogs under docks in a few feet of water. But then I did a few tournaments, and I got caught 
by the by the trap of the tournaments and the flashy boats and like the jerseys and everything and so then we then we went to the dealership to look at some boats and we saw that and i was like oh boy and so we ended up going with it and now knowing what i know and how i'm fishing and like the fact and like there's multiple elite series guys now who are running aluminum boats and they're fishing all these events from florida to you know malax to champlain all over the board and it's just kind of like how we end up getting into the same conversation of like there's like these traps that like you like the marketing traps that you get into where it's like I we kind of rushed into it. I wish we'd had taken the time and done the research and like, gotten like you said, pay for it up front. Like, and it's the same thing with like the gear and everything. Like, I also fell into that trap of like, we start off with the super low budget rods and reels, and then we went up the next hundred dollar mark, and then now I'm going up again the next hundred dollar mark where it's like, well, shit, I just spent all that money versus if I just bought in three rods and reels to get from the get-go yeah. Loomis and like or whatever something a higher end rod and then I'd be golden and it's like right. I guess that's kind of anyone who's listening to this getting into it like if you happen to stumble across this episode it's like start off small with very few things but make sure they're the good quality yeah. because even if it doesn't end up working good for you they maintain it's like a you know it maintains its value like if you take care of a good rod and reel combo and if you find out it's not the right one for you, you can resell it and make, you know, a good m- amount of money back off of it. Yeah, Same thing or, with a boat. Or, or return it. I, I would just say this, Stephen, prepare yourself better is consider, this is what I think people have a hard time doing in general is, is like planning. Like to me, it's close your eyes and imagine yourself fishing. Okay, where are you going to be doing this? If you're fishing around Lake Erie or the Upper Niagara, it's not all that complicated as far as your equipment set goes. So, you know, like think about what you need, write it down, and then buy the highest quality, buy one or two of the highest quality things of those particular things. And really, you just need a spinning setup for finesse, Seven and a half foot, uh, fast action rod. You know, medium, like medium, medium light rod for drop shotting and, you know, finesse fishing. And then you just need a bait caster, to you know, power fish with. And that's it. Buy two each, of the best quality, and uh, and and use those. Cause I did the same thing as you. Like I started off buying cheap stuff, and I started realizing this shit's way heavier. It's harder to teach clients with because it's clunky. So Less then, sensitivity. Yeah. So you just buy the, you know, some higher end stuff. And uh, like for me, I'm not going like $250 reels for uh, fishing for smallmouth or yeah. even steelhead. But like if I had a saltwater program, you better believe I'd be dropping stupid amounts of money on that kind of stuff. But I'm, I, you know, all my reels are usually between 120 and 170 bucks. You know, mm-hmm. what I mean, they're they're solid quality. Yeah, so. I mean, we could keep going on about this stuff, yeah. but you know, we'll, we'll we'll save this for some more of it for another episode, guys. But uh, we're gonna wrap it up here. Hopefully, I'll have a little bit of fishing of some sort to speak on for next time. 
Um, going down to hunting camp next weekend to sight in uh, the rifle and uh, sling some arrows, cut some trees and such. So that's what I'll be doing, gearing up for, because I am going to start hunting again this year. I've uh, slacked the last few years, but I want to get back into it at least a few weekends out of it. Um, but yeah, you'll be out on the water, so we'll have yep. some good info from you as well. So, all right, well, thank you guys for tuning in and uh, catch us next week. See ya.